I Do Podcast, Episode 16. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. Do you have a topic that you'd like to hear more about or a relationship question you'd like answered? Email us at info at idopodcast.com and we'll be sure to add it to one of our upcoming episodes. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Robert Jameson. Hi, Dr. Robert. Hey. Well, good morning, folks. Good, good to talk to you. Well, thanks for coming on our show today. We're excited to have you. Thank you for inviting me. Dr. Robert Jameson is a licensed marriage and family therapist focusing on helping clients understand and overcome issues such as anger, hurt, depression, anxiety, love, and relationships. Dr. Jameson is also the author of Thoughts of Pomery, Don't Lose Weight, Give It Away, and The Pocket Oasis. In addition to his work as a therapist and writer, Dr. Jameson is an accomplished musician. He produced and released Ani Hui, Empathy with God, an hour-long CD which helps a listener to meditate, relax, or sleep. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, you know, I think uh, just helping people uh, create more love, joy, health, and happiness in their life has been something that I've been doing for the past uh, 30 years. And so there, there's something about just giving and seeing the people go through their transformational shift in their consciousness and in their relationships. And uh, that just brings that another level of joy inside of myself. So, And it's always just a, a whole new adventure, each person that you're working with. It's a whole new episode of life. So it's uh, always exciting and, and uh, a powerful learning uh, platform for myself. Excellent. Well, I'm sure in in your 30 years of helping people, you've had to deal with uh, a difficult topic that we're going to talk about today in how to confront a cheating spouse. Yes. Yes, I have, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two, more times than I wish, but uh, yes. And uh, we're going to start off with, uh, we know this is a difficult topic but we, that we actually haven't talked about yet on our podcast, but uh, we think it's an important one because it, it does happen, unfortunately, and it can be such a dramatic and, and life-changing experience. So the first thing I would ask you is, is you think your partner is having an affair, what do you do? Well, first, uh, after you, you're going to find yourself on the floor in total shock and pain and devastation. And so um, that, that probably is the getting yourself out of that shock. And people want to know so much information. They want to know what, when, where, how. And um, they're not quite sure what they're going to do with all that information, but they, they want to know what that is. Um, also, you know, part of the thing is like uh, most people don't know how to express their feelings. And so that kind of information brings uh, a great a terror, pain, uh, anger, rage, you name it. The emotions are going to go all over the place. Um, 
And so having a place to express the emotions in a healthy way is probably number one for that person to do. Um, and most people don't know how to do that. So we'll see if we have time to kind of explore that a little bit. A little bit. Once they've expressed their emotions, then it's time in my mind to sit down and, and, and maybe talk to their partner to get it clear. What, what is this? What caused it? And, and, and uh, make some decisions. Do they want to stay in the relationship? Do they want to repair the, the um, pains that were in there? Or do they want to end the relationship? So um, those would be the first initial stages. Do you have some ways that people can express their emotions? What I often will tell people that anger is a tool we use to get people to do what we want. So, you know, that one of the primary emotions that we're going to have is that anger and rage. And so, what am I angry about? Why? I'm angry that you weren't faithful and that you broke my trust and you, you, uh, uh, did things that I didn't anticipate. You surprised me. You deceived me. So I'm angry at you. So how do I express my anger? Probably the most people, will kind of yell and scream at their partner. Uh, that's not a very effective way of getting change. If, if what I'm wanting to get is um, um, closeness and resolve the issue, that usually creates separation, although that's what most people do. Um, the other people, they'll stuff it and they won't express it, and then that'll create some kind of uh, dis-ease in the body. Um, and so that's not also uh, an effective way. So what I encourage people to do is a, a writing exercise. And, and I'll just real simply will explain that um, basically what I ask people to just, just do like a free-form writing to express their anger, hurt, rage, and shame, letting themselves to express all that on a piece of paper using a lot of four-letter words. And uh, after they've written it, uh, they don't read it. I ask them to tear it up and throw it away. Um, for a couple of reasons. One is if we have the slightest thought that someone's going to read some of this stuff, we're going to start censoring. And so we're not held responsible for those things that come through us. We are, however, held responsible for those things we hold on to. So if I want to say some terrible things. I want to dismember you. I shouldn't say that. So I'm a very spiritual person. So, But I still have those anger rages inside of me. So if I know no one's going to read this stuff, including me, I can get that out of me. Uh, Young calls it the shadow. That's that animalistic part of us. And after we've written it and torn it or burned it, there's then going to be a little hole or a void in kind of in your belly area. And um, and sometimes um, tears show up and a great sense of sadness, and that's part of the healing process. But beyond that, what I ask people to do is plant a seed in there that, that I ask them to water and nurture. So in the big picture, what we do is we get rid of what we don't want, put in what we do want. And, and, um, and part of part of the process of getting what we don't want, we also get it clear what we want from our partner. So out of that comes some I want statements, which we might want to deliver uh, later on, as I said, once I've got my emotions off. But part of the, the seed in terms of the nurturing thing would be uh, just a basic affirmation that I have people say, which is their name. Uh, so I'll do it with my name. So be Robert. I'm loving you. I'm loving you, Robert. And I would hold on to my, my stomach and I'd say that in 20, 25 times. So it starts to feel full. And that, that goes down to, uh, there's a lot of levels to that. I don't think today's the time to go into all the levels, but basically it, it's a way of, start, uh, of starting to self-nurture that part of us that feels uh, betrayed and wounded. Um, some people have, feel strange holding on and talking to themselves, but again, I encourage people to be scientists. So that's, that's basically the process. So I'm angry, I express it through that writing process, holding on. Uh, nurturing myself, and then I deliver my I want statements from you. So I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be faithful. I want you to um, 
to, to love me, whatever it is that, uh, that they, the I want statements. That's such great information, and obviously there's a lot of emotions in, in a situation like this, and I think the process of, of healing and, and writing it down is also important so that before you, maybe before you confront your partner, that it's a little bit more constructive, that you've gotten those things sort of out a little bit. Yes, yes, exactly. Because, you know, emotions is just energy emotion. It's just, that's what emotions are. And most people try to resolve their issues when they're emoting. Yeah. I'm not thinking, I'm emoting. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So I do need to emote, but that's not when I'm, we're going to come up with any kind of resolution. Yeah. After I've emoted, now, I can, now I've got that out. Now I can think and I can tell you uh, or ask for what I want. It's a huge, if people just, I often tell people, if you learn nothing else from me but that one process, that will transform your life, by the way. And, you know, we're talking about a real big issue here, but it also goes to that little tiny issues. Of, you know, you never wash the dishes or you leave your shoes at the front door or whatever. Those things, those little petty things that happen in a relationship, it works on all those things as well, by the way. So we talked about before you confront your spouse, writing these down. And then I want to talk a little bit about the actual stage of confronting the spouse and, and some advice you have on that. Well, um, to help with that, I want to say that there's probably, there's supposedly four primary reasons that people have affairs. So let me go through that. And depending on what which one uh, my partner has is how I'd probably approach it. The first one is uh, there, there, there's a, uh, there are uh, a sex addiction. And some people uh, are like, whether it be drugs, pot, or heroin, or sex, or gambling, it doesn't really matter. They have an addictive personality. And uh, in that, uh, that addiction p- pattern, you know, don't get in, uh, in the way of me and my drug. I will walk through you. I'll sacrifice everything. So... If the person has a sex, is a sex addict, thank God that we're identifying it more in probably the last five years or so as a, a real uh, deal. There are some good 12-step programs out there. So if that's their issue, then I certainly would want the, the spouse to go to um, an SA or SLA or SAA program. Those are the three primary ones out there. Um, um, the second reason that people... Uh, um, have affairs, they get caught in a slippery situation. And what I mean by that, maybe they went out and they got, they did some drugs or alcohol and, and they lost some of their control and they ended up with someone and said, oh my God, what happened? And they have often great remorse and, and they feel terrible about it. And um, so that's probably the easiest one to work with and which is like, you know, let's get clear, you don't put yourself in slippery situations anymore. You're not an exception to the rule. And so, but that's the second one. They just got caught and, um, and then they slept. And the third slipped. And the third one is there's a, the, 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 a revenge. Like you had an affair. Screw you, buddy. I'm going to show you what it feels like. So then, then I'm going to have one. So, so you can feel the pain of that. So that would be the third one. Not a very good process. Um, again, if they did that writing exercise I talked about, they wouldn't feel like they, um, uh, they needed to do that revenge process. Right. And, the, and the fourth one, probably the most prevalent one, is that they're, they got hungry for attention or nurturing on some level. So they, they went out and started looking in dumpsters. So if we all are get hungry enough, we are going to start looking elsewhere for that nurturing and that loving. And it's not like, um, and, and that kind of happens very slowly in most relationships. Uh, hopefully we can talk about that a little bit later, how to avoid that process. But so they, they, and it's just usually some 
kind of casual communication with someone, then there's kind of an emotional connection, and at some point it moves into a fiction, a physical uh, physical connection, and so now then it becomes a full-on affair. Those are the hardest ones to, to work with um, and sometimes the most painful. So based on those three, those four places, you know, that – uh, I would first want to know what is it with my partner? What caused them to go out? Was it something that was missing in the relationship? Is it an addiction? Did they get drunk? Um, or are they trying to do some kind of payback? And really, when you're asking yourself those questions, you almost have to look internally to think about what you want as well. A- absolutely. And, and you know, I, I've some, I have worked with couples where they are able to get over this issue and and in, and their relationship became even stronger because of it, because they learned uh, how to create more loving in their relationship, how to create better communication, and all that stuff that's required for a healthy, loving, long-term relationship. And so it was the affair that woke them up. You know, hopefully they can wake people who can wake up before they have the affair, but some people don't, right? Uh, so then those people really, it, it it really has been a transformational situation for everyone involved. For those, then there's other people that know, you know, I this I can't uh, manage this, I can't put this behind me, and and so then those relationships usually end, and um, and that's that's painful as well. Yeah, so it's really important. I like how you identified the the main causes of an affair because if we understand why they happen, the idea is we're talking about how to deal with it once it happens, but why not prevent it from even happening? Yes, yes, and that's that's in in my mind that certainly is easier. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, am I going to listen to that little feather, that subtle little voice that says, "Hey, Robert, what you're doing isn't working," or do I need that two by four across my head to wake <laughs> me up? Right. Uh, right? And so um, I like to say I always listen to that subtle little, little feather. I'd be lying to you, but I I, I do work on that. Uh, and there are some things in in a relationship that people can do. Uh, to create that uh, a healthy, loving, long-term relationship. And unfortunately, you know, they don't teach us how to do that in high school. And that's just not one of the, the topics I wish, I really wished it was. And there are some keys for that. Yeah. Can you talk a, a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, um, in, in fact, you know, you had mentioned some of the book I wrote. And I just want to say what the most recent book I wrote is called The Keys to Joy-Filled Living. And in that, I have a whole bu- a bunch of the stuff that we're talking about here in that book in terms of how to how to express your anger, your emotions, how to create that healthy, loving, long-term relationship. But one of the key things that I, I tell people <clears throat> that in a, uh, we have to continuously, consciously, choose to fall in love with our partner it's an ongoing choice you know they didn't necessarily tell us that back in high school you know so from a non-romantic point of view how do we fall in love so here i'm uh, from a male's point of view i look at that woman i say oh god she is so beautiful her eyes or her smile god she's so amazing she's so smart oh i love her she's ah i program the computer to fall in love with her and i do (laughs) <laughs> now in time, right? In time, my self-talk changes. It goes, oh, she's doing that again. How many times, stupid bitch? I hate her. Yeah. Then I program my computer to fall out of love with her. And I do. So in a healthy, loving, long-term relationship, we have to continuously, consciously choose to fall in love with our partner. We have to focus on those aspects of them that we love. And then it's important for those things to come out of our mouth so our partner hears those things. 
Yeah, that's great advice to help you know be proactive and prevent the the two by four coming into the relationship and smacking <laughs> you on the head. Yes, yes. I want to give our listeners just we've given them so much valuable information, but I want to give. Someone that is in this situation, you know, unfortunately it's happened and we talked a little bit about the causes of it, but it's happened and you talk about the stages of grief and, and this is important to recognize. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Yes, yes. Um, grief is one of those things that, you know, when something has died and we usually think of it in terms of a physical death, but you know, it, it happens on, we go through the, the, the five stages of grief and anything that's happened. And so what, when an affair happens, what has died is, uh, the trust in the relationship, the foundation of, of the, which is the foundation of the relationship and often the loving and there's so many things that have died. And so the five primary stages of grief versus denial. Denial is, I can't believe that happened. No, not, not really. No, I, I must be crazy. I, no. So we go through that. The next phase is anger. And so, and that again is, is the phase that we talked initially about. So, and we do need to express our anger, hurt, rage, and shame again in a healthy way, as I suggested. The next one is called bargaining. And bargaining is one of those fascinating ones where we, we think, ah, if I hadn't, if he hadn't, if she hadn't, if they hadn't, if this hadn't, then it would have a different outcome. Pretending we could change. And it, it actually, in some ways, is a, we're trying to attempt to create some kind of learning from the, the painful situation, which is actually very beneficial. Um, and yet, it can also go into fairyland. So, but it, it is part of the process of the grief. The next one is depression. And with depression, it's more like you're just kind of going along and, and someone pulls a trap door underneath you and you're just like, ah. You have no energy. You're looking out in the space. It's like, uh, life means nothing. You just want to die. And then you're okay again. And then back again. Real abrupt mood changes. You feel like you're kind of going crazy. And then the last one is called acceptance, which is, oh, okay, okay, it happened. Oh, next. And yeah. it would, right? And so those are the five stages. It would be nice if you only had to go through them once. But it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, you got to go through them over and over and over again. You can go through all five stages in about five minutes, and sometimes one will stay on you for days. And when you finally get to, maybe after you go through it five times, and you finally get to that acceptance stage, it's still a process, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's, in fact, you know, the part of the, the, the acceptance part is probably is the biggest challenge, uh, by the way. And like I said, you get to go through them over those five stages over and over again. And then that can take, you know, for some people it's months, some people it's years. There's not necessarily a timeline. And it takes as long as it takes. And I often tell people the fastest way through the grieving process is just to give yourself permission to express the pain or the emotions that you're going through at that moment. And so if you want to feel depressed, you know, go into bed, pull the covers over your head and get ahead and get in the fetal position and stay there. And you'll you get out sooner or later because you got to go pee or something, right? Mm -hmm. So, so but, but just giving yourself permission to feel that is how we get through it versus trying to deny it. A lot of people try to deny, uh, suppress it with, their, with drugs or alcohol or activities or work or something. And, and uh, then there's some friends, ah, oh, you're still grieving over that? You know, get over it. <laughs> no, it, it takes as long as it takes. It's not a, this is a core, core wound of abandonment and betrayal. Yeah, and, it, and it's almost liberating by you saying that to anyone out there that it's okay to feel these things. 
Yes, not only is it, it's it's imperative to feel these things. It yeah. certainly is not fun, by the way. That writing process is not fun, uh, but it's so important. It's just to give yourself permission to express your rage, and you're, then to express to to go do that crazy bargaining, you know, and then to go through that process of uh, depression. Um, and then the, the acceptance model is, is a thing that, that maybe we can just I'll just take a couple minutes to kind of go through. Um, it's it's it, it, the process is simple. It's not easy to do, but the process is simple. So, uh, how do I accept my my? I'll do it from a male's point of view. How do I accept my wife had an affair? Um, well, um, uh, I have to be grateful. I have to have an attitude of gratitude. I have to be grateful that she had that affair. So, whoa, you're crazy, man. I, I'm not grateful. I, I'm I'm in all this kind of pain, and mm-hmm. gratitude is the last thing in my head. And so I'm in resentment, anger, and rage. And so as long as I'm in those emotions, it really be hard to accept. Mm-hmm. So how do I change my attitude? I change my attitude by changing my altitude or my viewing point. And, and that's probably the most challenging thing to do. And this is, not, this is not something someone does early in this process, by the way. It's down the road. Um, but since um, there's many people listening on different levels, so I'll, I'll just give that to that person, and then we'll just plant some seeds for people when they do arrive at this point. So the, you change your altitude. So it, here's a story. I'm climbing up a mountain. I fall and sprain my ankle. Oh, shit, man, I'm a fool, crazy, um, it's clumsy. Uh, accept it, Robert. I can't accept it. It's swelling. Be grateful. I'm not grateful. It hurts. Change your altitude. So here I'm an eagle, and I'm flying around, and I see there's a pit of rattlesnakes. If I kept walking at the same space or pace that I was walking, good chance I would have walked into them. I would have gotten bit. I would have died. Ah, I am so grateful. Gift from God. Thank you. Now, so with a relationship, again, I shared the story of the couple that was able to use the relationship to heal and to grow and to expand. That would be an easier place to come to a the attitude of gratitude by changing the altitude. I'm so glad you had that. So we, so we're so much better. We learned so much about ourselves and life and love. The other one that, well, it ended up in divorce and kids are in pain. So that's a harder one. And, um, you know, some, uh, that probably, you know, I could, I could throw out some things, but I think it would be, uh, I don't want to make the subject a light subject. So that would probably doing some therapy or some deep inner work or some spiritual counseling would, that person could be able to come to a higher point of view to see how that, that, that point came to. That's such great advice and one to take into a lot of things in life, not just someone dealing with this issue, but it's you're changing the perspective that you're looking at it from and you're really trying to look at it from the bright side and that's all you can really do. Yes, because, you know, I, I look at relationships as classrooms. You know, we we enter into the classroom to learn something. And when we've learned what we needed to learn, we get to graduate. You know, some classes are uh, a night and some classes are a lifetime. I, I'm not sure one's better than the other. They're just different classes. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and this is this, this uh, um, cheating spouse situation is a very big lesson to learn on. There's so many levels in there. There's so many aspects of growth potential growth uh, that a person can go through because of it. So it's a big class. 
It's it's organic chemistry. It's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. I mean, that information is just so important and so insightful for our listeners today. And um, what do you find is the most common reason couples struggle in their relationship? Well, um, there's probably several, but I, I would say one of the things that, that shows up a lot, there's two primary, primary things. One, first thing that came to mind was people taking each other for granted, They're taking their partner for granted. And as I've worked with couples through time, I've always seen that both people are doing a lot for the relationship, and both couples feel totally unappreciated for all that they're doing. And so, I mean, that's, that's just, it's so glaring. And so I remember years ago, I worked with a couple, they had been married like 40 years or something. I was echoed and honored to work with them. But yeah. after all the work we did, that they said, you know, of all the stuff you shared, there's one thing that changed our, our relationship. And somewhere in there, I had asked them to give each other five appreciation statements a day. And they said, that changed, that, that changed our, 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 our life. And because they were, again, both felt unappreciated for all that they were doing. So that's a huge piece. If, if people can feel appreciated for all that they're doing, uh, that's, that's a major, major thing. The, the other probably big thing would, would be just that whole communication process. You know, people um, uh, don't feel they're, they're being heard. I just want you to hear me. And so people really don't know how to listen. And that's a whole other piece in terms of how to get people to listen. But um, because, uh, you know, if people don't feel they're heard, they do one or two things. One is they repeat themselves over and over and over again. They sound like a bitch. Or the, or the second thing they do is they raise their voice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in relationships, mm-hmm. if, if your partner's, that's about the sixth time when you said that, it's a good time for, let, for you, to let, you to let them know that you heard them. Or if they're yelling at you, same process. Um, so if we can be heard, uh, and understood would be the secondary part of that, but primarily just heard. That's great advice. Well, now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I each ask a question that's on our minds. Sarah's up first. Okay, well, um, my question is the the common saying, once a cheater, always a cheater. Is that true? No, I don't think so. Uh, primarily because, you know, people, I mean, I'm in the business of change. So if I, that was true, I'd be, uh, no, uh, right. So I, I think people do grow and change. And, you know, there's the old thing that if they knew better, they would do better. And so as we are going through a process of life and learning, hopefully people are growing. And, you know, again, we learn two ways. One is information, two is experience. A lot of us, unfortunately, need that experience, that two by four against our head. To, to learn the lesson. So I've worked with a lot of men and women who have been cheaters who began to really see the pain that it caused within themselves, within their partner, and, and, and their whole family system. They said, man, I am never, ever going to do that. I, I learned. I got it. I got it. So yeah, People no. can change. People do change, yeah. And they want to. People, we want to. The neat thing about humans is that they really want to do, they want to do the best thing. It's a rare, it's a rare person that that's going to do what they think is going to be consciously wrong. My question is, in your dealing with couples, and there's men that are having affairs and and women that are having affairs. Is there one thing that is particularly different between one or the other that you find? Um, no, no, I no, I don't think so. I haven't, I haven't. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> they come. They come from the same reasons. They, they dealt with the same. They come from, yeah. from the same. Yeah, those those four. Those yeah. four yeah. Yeah, and I, I've seen as many women who are sex addicts as men. I've seen uh, also the, the 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 ones who slipped and fell, and the ones who were hungry jumped in dumpsters. The revenge one. Um, well, yeah, no. Interesting. I had to go through the list. Interesting. Thank you. Now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions, and you'll respond with great information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Robert, are you ready to help us build lasting love? You betcha. Let's go. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Uh, say, I wrote a, recently wrote a blog called uh, What I Love About You Is. Uh, and so I would say every day, if you can say to your honey, what I love about you is. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> and it can go from a global to a, you, know, you brush your teeth before you. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. Is there a book or resource you recommend for couples? I well, I have to say, I probably recommend the Keys to Joyful Living. <laughs> that would be a good book. Yeah, there's a lot of good information in there for couples and relationship and just general life skills. There's a lot of data in there. Great. Well, that book uh, will be on our website at I Do Podcast on your show notes page, so our listeners can go there and and check out your awesome book recommendation. Thank you. You betcha. Thank you. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give to engaged couples or newlyweds? Well, ha- have fun and certainly don't let the, I would say, the wedding, wedding ceremony and all the little details destroy the, the, the joy that you guys have. And what I said earlier is that continuously consciously choosing, I would ask you guys to keep focusing on those aspects of each other that you love and that's bringing you together in this, this, this loving relationship and keep sharing that. That would be the big piece there. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? <laughs> just one. <huh? laughs> just one. <laughs> um, uh, staying in love is a choice. I would say that is so. Uh, it's just a choice. Staying in love is a choice, and um, knowing that your partner will push your buttons from time to time, and, and he or she is your master teacher, and to use the lessons that are coming forward to to go to a higher level of being and loving. Great. Thank you. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all your advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's finish by telling our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, probably the best place would be, you know, at my website, which is the 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 keys to joy filled living the name of the book dot com and um uh on there they can i have a, a blog post i put on different articles from time to time so there's a lot of information they can email me if they have any questions uh from there and that would be the, the best spot perfect well our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives Thank you so much for all your generous knowledge and for taking the time to come on our show today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. 
Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love?